0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Rusty Quill presents Lumi Island, a short story series of the Osteum Network. Written by Alex C. Tillander. Read by Justy G Part 1 Cold-Tinted Windows 8. Michael Fortner was an incredibly tall and incredibly thin man. I'd say he was emaciated, but I've seen his body type before. That's what he is. A body type. His age could have been anywhere from early fifties to early seventies, but I could tell he had lived a long and hard life. I hoped with the properties he owned, he was enjoying the latter years of his existence in some way. His voice was warm and full, a complete surprise compared to his countenance. Welcome, my dear. You must be the impressive Ms. Mulder. I am, I replied with a big smile on my face and then braced myself for one or four and twenty name jokes. A delight to meet you. Your resume was, well, beyond exemplary. I felt so fortunate when you agreed to take the position. Oh, there was the little question of my... And surprised, very surprised, in fact. You could get a job at any library or institution in the country. I'm sure the Smithsonian would seriously consider you. Then he waited for a response. This wasn't the first job I'd taken way beneath my pay grade and qualification. I had a response ready. It was also the truth, mostly. I am humbled by your comments, Mr. Fortner. I am in a unique position not to care about salaries. My parents were killed in an unfortunate accident when I was 18. There were substantial life policies for each of them, as well as a significant savings. I see, he said, knowing I had more to say. Well, this particular circumstance has afforded me the opportunity not to be concerned with the cost, and to engage my whims and honor my promises, follow my dreams, essentially. Had a number of jobs in my relatively young life, and each of them I have chosen not because of the pay they offered, but because of the enjoyment and satisfaction I knew I would receive from them. In so doing, I have been very successful in each of these jobs, if I do say so myself, and have received glowing recommendations upon leaving. Which I'm fully aware of, Michael said. "'Thank you, Ms. Mulder, for revealing such a private thing in your life. "'I have no need to pry further, and like your past employers, "'I am beyond delighted to have you here to run the island library.' "'Thank you, Mr. Fortner, and let me tell you, the feeling is quite mutual,' I replied. "'Please, I feel we've reached the point now where you can call me Michael.' "'Why, thank you,' I said with a slight bow and an amused smile on my face. "'Please do me the courtesy of calling me Kate.' Very well, Kate. And since you have given me some of your personal details, I feel it is only right I give you some of mine. Come, let's play a visit to your office. I let him lead the way, following close behind, watching him skillfully slide between the stacks and weave into the open spaces and channels. It made me start to wonder if he had done all this. The library organized it in such a complicated and busy way, but still maintained order. He well could have, but... I still felt it was beyond him. I don't know why, it was a sense I had about him and these intuitions are usually pretty accurate. And then, like a wardrobe door to Narnia, a door in its doorway appeared on a wall, seemingly from nowhere. I'd kept track of my way and had the convoluted route memorized. Michael opened the door and then stepped aside to let me into my new office first. It was only possible because he was so thin Otherwise, he would have had an awkward altercation. If the library could be considered a victim of a hoarder's addiction, the office was a Spartan, empty hole in that hoarder's soul. There was an old desk that was nothing special, two chairs for visitors, and a swivel chair that looked decently comfortable. There was an ancient looking filing cabinet in one corner and a completely empty bookcase along one wall. It felt, well, Anathema for the book satiated library on the other side of the surface attached. There was a water cooler. How fancy. And then a cabinet with a coffee machine, a fresh carafe brewing. I tried to remember if I'd told Michael approximately when I'd be arriving. I must have. I stepped into my office and he slipped in behind me but left the door open, which I appreciated. I said I wasn't claustrophobic, but I much preferred being still in visible range of all those wonderful books so close by. Please take your seat, Michael said, indicating the swivel chair behind the desk. Would you like some coffee? Sounds wonderful, I replied. Two sugars, please, if you have sugar. He turned to me and gave me an endearing look that I could only assume was a look Michael Fortner gave many members of his extended family when they asked him a silly question. I truly hoped he had lots of family to give that look to. It was so warm and embracing. This is no Vladivostok, my dear. We have sugar. No milk, I'm afraid, but that's for your own health. I don't know where you could keep it fresh in here. I suppose we could see about getting a mini-fridge installed for you. No, no, I said. There was a reason I only asked for sugar. Prefer it black as the night sky. Wonderful. And good because I was only going to be able to offer you some ancient creamer. Like you, I prefer my coffee inky as the celestial firmament. During this time, he had retrieved two clean mugs from the cabinet beneath the coffee maker. Mine had been filled and two sugars added, along with a spoon to stir to my heart's desire. The illustration on the porcelain was an artistically done book, the pages forming a rainbow shape. Beneath it said, Within these pages lie the heart, soul, and imagination of every reader. This became my favorite mug. I would actually take it with me after my eight-month stay. Michael didn't care, considering he was dead and buried by that point.